0: Listener supported WNYC Studios. Today it is my honor to nominate one of our nation's most brilliant and gifted legal minds to the Supreme Court. She is a woman of unparalleled achievement, towering intellect. Sterling credentials and unyielding loyalty to the Constitution, Judge Amy Coney Barrett.
1: If the Senate does me the honor of confirming me, I pledge to discharge the responsibilities of this job to the very best of my ability. The President has nominated me to serve on the United States Supreme Court And that institution belongs to all of us. I clerked for Justice Scalia more than 20 years ago, but the lessons I learned still resonate. His judicial philosophy is mine too. A judge must apply the law as written. Judges are not policymakers, and they must be resolute in setting aside any policy views they might hold. Members of the United States Senate I look forward to working with you during the confirmation process. And I will do my very best to demonstrate that I am worthy of your support. Thank you.
0: This should be a straightforward and prompt confirmation. It should be very easy. Good luck. It's going to be very quick. It's politics with Amy Walter on The Takeaway. On Saturday afternoon... President Donald Trump officially nominated Judge Amy Coney Barrett to fill the seat left vacant after the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. If confirmed, Judge Barrett will be the third Trump appointee to the Supreme Court. For more on her background and what to expect in the weeks to come, I
2: turn to... Gabby Orr, and I'm a White House reporter for Politico.
0: I want you to tell us a little bit about Amy Coney Barrett. What do we need to know about her?
2: She was essentially groomed for this moment. So she's obviously been on the circuit court since 2017 when she was appointed to it by President Trump and sort of ever since that moment during her confirmation hearings where uh, Senator Feinstein, the, the ranking member on the Judiciary Committee, got into that tense exchange with her where, you know, she sort of infamously said,
0: The dogma lives loudly within you
1: and
2: That's of concern. It caught the attention of the president, of the vice president, of then White House counsel Don McGahn. And it sort of rocketed her to internal fame within the White House. So she came up um, for consideration when Justice Kennedy left and created a vacancy that was ultimately filled by Brett Kavanaugh. And sort of ever since then, the the president has had his eye on her for this moment. I don't think anybody anticipated that it would happen quite when it did.
0: Right. Well, talk to us a little bit about that 2017 hearing, because, again, that wasn't all that long ago that she appeared before many of the people she's going to appear before again. What was that hearing like? Was it pretty just traditional until that moment, or was it pretty contentious?
2: I would say it was it was a mix of both, um, and, and that's sort of how these things go typically. There will be sort of your, your typical questions, procedural questions, um, the vetting of a candidate's judicial background and their philosophy, and then when they face questions from the uh, opposing party, In this case from from democrats on the committee for her you know there were a lot of questions about well how would you uh what is your consideration of the precedent on cases like roe v wade or what how would you rule in a case dealing with the second amendment religious freedom um, immigration sort of all of the the hot button cultural issues that this president has obviously promised to appoint conservative judges because he wants rulings go a certain way Um, they asked her a lot about her uh, judicial philosophy textualism and originalism and you know there were other moments that stood out but it was sort of that iconic exchange with Senator Feinstein that really uh, essentially branded Judge Barrett as just this, this hero you know in conservative circles as somebody who is devoutly Catholic and didn't respond to that line of questioning in a, a combative way when, you know, everybody else sort of on the right thought that she should have.
0: <laughs> right. And and in terms of her answering those questions on Roe v. Wade and the Second Amendment and others, what can we glean from how she answered those questions in 2017 to how she's going to approach it now?
2: Great question. She has uh, said previously in the questionnaires that you have to fill out for the Senate Judiciary Committee um, that she does consider the precedent of Roe v. Wade to be established law. That being said, there are sort of external factors that we know about Judge Barrett that might indicate uh, if if given the chance to chip away at Roe v. Wade or to uh, dismantle it through other decisions that might come to the court that she, if she's sitting on it uh that she would rule in favor of uh you know further restrictions on abortion we know that she was involved in a group of pro life professors when she was at Notre Dame we know again that she is um devoutly catholic and belongs to sort of a conser- charismatic conservative catholic group we we know that she has previously indicated that despite saying the precedent of is firm that she believes ultimately it was wrongly decided. Mm. And that's something that has really rallied conservatives behind her and has been important in terms of getting re- Senate Republicans behind her because that is somewhat of a small test that she needed to pass in order to get the support of people like Senator Josh Hawley, who has been pushing and pushing for uh, stronger vetting for, for the president's conservative uh, judicial appointees. And what about the issue of health care? Obviously, Democrats
0: have been telegraphing this now for days that that's what they intend to focus on the possibility of the Supreme Court overturning the Affordable Care Act. And Amy Coney Barrett has also made some comments written um, some things about the health care law. Can you help us understand what exactly she said and, and, and sort of the context around that?
2: So she wrote a book review um, in the Notre Dame Law Journal of, of um, a book about the Affordable Care Act. And in it, she essentially said that she felt uh, Chief Justice Roberts' um, decision to uh, essentially up- uphold the Affordable Care Act. Um, it, it was the wrong approach. And so she's been sort of dinged on that in the past 24 hours by Democrats. It's it's something that you can certainly anticipate will come up during her Senate confirmation hearings and I, I think it's a real uh, core part of, of their messaging campaign against her at this point. Um, we know that this election matters a great deal. We know that health care is at the front of the minds of many voters and so uh, that is an issue that uh, Senate Democrats and down-ballot candidates have really latched on to um, as, as, as they feel it's an effective way to uh, target Judge Barrett through this process.
0: One more thing just about her, her tenure. I mean, she's only been on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals for a very short time. Does she have much of a track record there that can tell us anything
2: about her, the way she approaches the law or, or her philosophy? She does. And, you know, three years is, yes, it's, it's a short amount of time, but there are other justices on the court right now. Um, Kagan is one of them who had, you know, zero Uh, court Mm -hmm. record um, uh, before she was appointed. So it's, it's not necessarily unprecedented to have, uh, you know, only three years on the circuit before you're appointed to or nominated for the Supreme court. Uh, She, she, has a judicial record Um, we've you know we have opinions that we can go through and look at and they will certainly be vetted in the coming days not just by uh, Democrats who sit on the Judiciary Committee and will use them as they prepare for their lines of questioning but also by uh, a lot of outside conservative groups that are looking for reassurances that she would uh, vote a certain way or um, you know decide to take up cases that would matter to them if she were to get confirmed to the court, um, it, this is in the the, the, the vetting process that judge Barrett is about to go through, not only on the left, but on the right as well, I think is really impor- important this time around uh, because there are a lot of conservatives that feel basically betrayed by, uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch, one of the president's other nominees to the to the Supreme Court they they felt like he let them down in um, a, a case this this summer dealing with uh, L- LGBTq rights and so I, I expect that judge Barrett though she, you know, yesterday received tons and tons of praise from your your socially conservative groups and um, groups that prioritize, uh, you know, deregulation and, and things like that, that there's going to be a round of vetting just to make sure that she lives up to their expectations.
0: What do you know? What do we know right now about when this process starts and the expectation that there is going to be a final vote before Election Day?
2: So it's it started yesterday, obviously, with the president's announcement. And um, beginning tomorrow, Judge Barrett will probably be on Capitol Hill meeting with senators who are interested in getting to know her and, and getting to talk to her. I expect that that will probably take about a week, which is typical for, for these types of processes. And then... Senator uh, Lindsey Graham, the the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, has said that by October 12th, he hopes to begin her confirmation hearings. If that timeline ends up working out, we could see a vote, a confirmation vote um, on October 29th. That's the date that's been circulated among Senate Republicans already, which is just, if you think about it, uh, pretty remarkable. That's that's roughly four days, four or, three, four or five days before the election. Right. So we really are going to be pushing up against uh, the election with this confirmation process. I've already seen
0: one Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut saying he does not want to meet with her. Um, are we going to see other Democrats who basically say, you know what, I, I have no interest <laughs> in doing this. I think this whole process is a sham. Um, And are are we going to see Democrats talk about maybe boycotting the entire process?
2: Yes, absolutely. And we already have. There was a a memo circulated earlier this week uh, by some outside progressive groups uh, that was meant to put pressure on uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer to get him to, to use as many delay tactics as he can. And one of the things that the, the Democratic conference has talked about is not doing anything that would legitimize this process, uh, because as you as you said, they sort of feel like this is a sham. And part of that would would mean not meeting with Judge Barrett when she's on Capitol Hill next week. That um, Any sort of one on one sit down meeting with a Senate Democrat, especially Senate Democrats who are on the Judiciary Committee uh, would be. Would legitimize the process in some way, and so I, I expect that Senator Blumenthal will not be the first or the last uh, hmm. Democrat to say that that they will decline a, a one-on-one meeting. So even
0: even Democrats who s- who sit on the Judiciary Committee may do that.
2: Absolutely, yeah. uh, and th- a good one to watch is obviously Senator. Uh, Harris from California, mm. who happens to be uh, the Democratic <laughs> vice presidential nominee, uh, she had some tough questions for for Judge Barrett back in the 2017 confirmation hearing. And if if Democrats do decide to participate in these hearings, which also is is up in the air at this point, um, that could be quite a moment for her to stand out as well just before the election.
0: The, w- the one other thing I want to talk to you about is exactly that, is the Senator Kamala Harris, who's in the most interesting position of anybody on that committee, being the <laughs> vice presidential nominee, also, of course, being United States Senator at the same time. How, can you talk a little bit about that balance that she may have to hold between, you know, being her Senate self and the person that we saw in the Kavanaugh hearings, and, but also being, you know, Joe Biden's running mate?
2: Yeah, it's a really tough position for her if you think about it because one of the things that we've, we've heard time and time again about Judge Barrett from um, outside groups that are on the left and from uh, Senate Democrats is that they're worried that her uh, religious beliefs, her religious background – could potentially interfere with the way that she approaches uh, the the bench, um, the way that she approaches cases, deciding which cases to take, how she might rule on them. And so that will be a line of questioning that emerges during these confirmation hearings. And we've already sort of seen conservatives, the White House, the Trump administration describe that as Um, an anti-Catholic campaign. Uh, They're really sort of trying to set up this moment to be able to go after Senate Democrats and say, you know, you guys are being um, discriminatory against a religious woman. You're you're creating a religious test. And Harris now is going to find herself in a place where she knows that that line of questioning is going to elicit that response Mm. from conservatives, and she's running on a ticket with a Democratic presidential nominee, uh, Joe Biden, who is himself devoutly Catholic, has made his faith one of the, you know, core parts of his uh, campaign message. And so, you know, I've I've talked to folks on both the right and the left um, prior to to the announcement yesterday that President Mr. Trump was nominating Judge Barrett, and both of them really expect um, conservatives and the White House to sort of pit Harris against her running mate based on the line of questioning here. And I think that's a trap that she's probably going to try to avoid as much as possible. But hmm. you you can sort of already anticipate that that's the message that we're going to hear from the right uh, as soon as she starts questioning Judge Barrett, if in fact, Democrats do attend the, the confirmation hearings.
0: Right. Well, Gabby Orr, thank you so much for taking this time to walk us through this process. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Gabby Ort is a White House reporter for Politico. That's all for us today. Our senior producer is Amber Hall. Patricia Jacob is our associate producer. Pothae Rungu is our digital editor. David Gable is our executive assistant. Jay Cowett is our director and sound designer. Debbie Daughtry is our board op. Vince Fairchild is our director and engineer. And our executive producer is Lee Hill. Thanks so much for listening. This is Politics with Amy Walter on The Takeaway.